morning, afternoon, or whatever part of the day it is for you listeners out there. My name is Damien John. This is Massage Therapy Now. We have a guest from Vancouver today, Matt Verlot, a massage therapist of over 20 years who has a lot of experience working with a variety of professional sports teams. He's published in both magazines and co-authored a book. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. He has also founded Legacy's Health Center in Vancouver, and I believe it's just in the Lower Mainland, or is it anywhere else? No, uh, just in the Lower Mainland, we have uh, four uh, locations. Nice. Today, we're here to talk about interdisciplinary practice models and what that means to Matt. He has been thinking about this idea for a while, and it hits on a lot of the working with other professions and how individuals who are working in the field can come together and create a better model of health for their clients. So I'm really, really curious as to what they've developed at Legacies and how it might filter out into other people's practices or other individuals who are listening. We will just jump right into it. So Matt, you've had a background working with high-level athletes from a manual therapy perspective, and it's really influenced the way you see professionals, health professionals work together. I was really curious about that space because working together as professionals can get kind of cranky. And so the experience of working with these athletes and the medical teams in the professional sports field, can you speak to that and how it would optimize their, their, both their recovery and their maintenance? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I agree. It, it, the space is like you can have a bit of a cranky uh, group <laughs> at times um, and I've experienced that when when I started my career I worked in a physiotherapy clinic and uh, you know there was you'd sometimes would butt heads with the other professions mm-hmm. but I was also fortunate when I right back in 1997 I started working with the NBA Vancouver Grizzlies who are obviously now in Memphis but I, in in that environment, in that high level sports environment, I experienced something completely different. And what it was was an environment where everyone was coming together, different professionals. We're talking surgeons, medical doctors, physiotherapists, trainers, chiropractors. Myself as a massage therapist, we're you know everyone coming together with this the the single goal of helping that athlete perform. To the highest level possible mm-hmm. and we we shared this common goal and it it was really something special um i hadn't experienced that in private practice and the years went on and i i, I did have a you know a career in sports so i worked with a lot of different national teams and olympic teams and different professional teams even and that's something i always was drawn to, and that's why why I worked in sports. It's funny. I, I meet a lot of therapists, and um, most therapists are involved with sports because they're they're fan of the sports. They they uh, you know they 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 have a passion for that sport. I actually it wasn't that for me. It, it wasn't so much that I was uh, a fan of uh, uh, NBA. I, I didn't even really actually watch basketball before I started working with the Grizzlies. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't that I was a fan of all these sports per se, of these national teams that I worked with, but it, I was always drawn and attracted to being on the medical team. And it was this this uh, sharing a common goal with other professionals um, that I found so rewarding. 
so for me, um, as the years went on, I saw a real disconnect between what I was experiencing with high level sports and then what I was experiencing in private practice. And I've, in private practice, I've always worked in multidisciplinary clinics, clinics that had, you know, like a chiropractor or uh, physiotherapy. And there wasn't the same kind of uh, shared common goal. There was, like you said, sometimes, you know, it, it, you're butting heads and, and it wasn't really a, a, the same experience that I was having when I was working with high level sports. Right. Can I so jump I was, in here for two seconds? You bet. Uh, you bet. I'm, I'm really, one of the things that comes up for me right away as I think about that space is you're working with similar, you're working with the similar medical professions. So what's different in the sport arena where egos don't get so involved yeah. as you're working on that same athlete? What, what's the, yeah, I think you, I think you, hit on it right there with, was egos in in common practice like everyday clinical practice i would experience egos i'd experience almost a hierarchy in the clinics yes. uh that i was working so maybe maybe i'm just using this as, as an example maybe it was a physiotherapy clinic uh owned by a physiotherapist and there is this unspoken hierarchy in the facility that it's a physio clinic and the massage therapists are working with us as, as really a modality, something to support physiotherapy. Yeah. I've experienced and, that too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I, I use that as an example because I think it's probably a, a common example mm -hmm. out there, but in the sports arena, the, the space I was working with, and it's, it's really the high level sports, the, especially with the professional teams that I worked with. Um, there was no egos. In fact, you had to, almost earn your place and uh, you everyone who is on the team was on that team for a reason so it really took the 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 sports team analogy to the medical team so just like you know like a soccer team where you have a striker you have a keeper um, you have a defender Every, everyone on that team is playing a role and and the team can't win if you take away one of those players and the same is true for the sports uh, medical teams that I was working with. It, uh, everyone was uh, respected for what they brought to the team. And everyone understood that everyone serves a purpose on this team and that we need everyone on this team to succeed. Right. And so the level of respect was through the roof. I've worked with some of the top um, sports medical physicians and sports therapists in Canada and and the, the respect that we have for each other being on the team is is absolutely amazing and it, it starts almost day one when you're on that team and it only grows as, as you uh, play your role on that yeah. team but it also means that you understand where your limitations right. are so we you know and and I think sometimes that's a challenge for ther therapists is um, you know we go to school um, to be a physiotherapist or a chiropractor or a massage therapist and that's your world for two, three years when you're in school and you come out and I think you, you know, I think you just naturally think that you can solve the world's mm -hmm. problems. We all want to. Right. But to be on a on a medical team like that, it actually means that you can see beyond that. You can see where your strengths are and then you can see where your your weaknesses are. And maybe just not as personally, but also professionally as a massage therapist. You know, where can I make the biggest difference and then where do I not make such a great difference? And then who's 
those around me that can make a big difference in that space. So it, it really challenges you as a therapist to think beyond yourself. And that's an amazing growth um, opportunity for therapists I've, I've always found. Yeah, I bet. And I, I was thinking in that it's not that much different an environment. So what, what fosters that respect right away? How do you, what do, what do you see as the difference in, in that? Because you have the same skill sets going into a professional sports team as you would going into a multidisciplinary clinic, but how do you pull ego out of the out of the game in that way right away? Because the analogy of the sports team really struck me too. I was thinking, wow, if you wanted a really good medical team, you'd, you'd be finding individuals that work together really well and you'd be finding mm-hmm. um, skill sets that complemented each other and you'd also have to figure out what the individual's attitude was because if you had a really high ego in a team it wouldn't work very mm-hmm. well so is, is that what's going on um, to a big part um, you know in in um, you know before 2006 I I was more an observer of this anomaly like I you know, I, I, I certainly could see the difference in private practice in these in these multidisciplinary clinics I worked in, and then on the sports um, medical teams I worked on, um, and and I was more of an observer of this difference. But in 2006, I started working with uh, the Vancouver Olympic Committee, and I was I worked with um, a group of sports medical professionals, uh, physicians, and trainers, physios, chiros, and our goal was to put together the the best integrated uh, sports medical team that the Olympic Games have ever seen. Um, and so we spent four years. We spent from 2006, obviously, till 2010, where we delivered and put together this team. And to start, we, we looked at that very question that you asked. What is it that makes a great integrated sports medical team? Mm-hmm. And we, we, we did some research, of course, and uh, we had we had people on our medical team that even traveled uh, over and visited like Manchester United's dressing room and, uh, you know, and met with their team. Right. And we we were in the NBA. We were down south looking what works in their team and working with the Canucks, what works with their team. And at the end of the day, we we took all that information, all, all our research, looking at high level uh, performing medical teams uh, that were integrated and we really boiled it down to two things and I share this story with all our uh, new hires at Legacies uh-huh. the two things really were number one which you hit on it's the type of person you bring onto your team so we we found that we, um, you really need to have a person <clears throat> who is team-minded who sees beyond themselves that sees themselves being part of a team and realizes that when we work together, we achieve more than any one person ever could on their own. Fundamentally, we need a team-minded uh, practitioner. You, you can't build a team when you have people on that team working as individuals. So you, right there, right at the beginning, it, it was that team mindset that we needed. Mm-hmm. And then the second part was we needed the right environment. So you can have team-minded people, but if they can't connect, if they can't collaborate, we we can't create greatness in our in our uh, model. So, the second part of this was actually creating an environment that pushes people together and uh, almost uh, makes it 
difficult to not collaborate. Right. And so that actually is a fundamental difference between multidisciplinary clinics and interdisciplinary clinics is the, the, the physical space and the type of people that are often on that team. Right. So it's really structural, that, that second part. Yes. Yeah. So if, you know, just to expand on that, it, it's very common to see a multidisciplinary clinic. And a lot, of, a lot of people listening are probably in multidisciplinary clinics and they've never really realized what, what, why it's called a multidisciplinary clinic in the sense that uh, of the space. And when we look at the space, multidisciplinary clinics usually have cells within the, within the, the space where uh, professional groups are clumped together. And that's actually a very instinctive human behavior to compartmentalize and to put everyone in their own box. Yeah. So often when you go into a multidisciplinary clinic, you'll see, you know, a physiotherapy area, you'll see a massage therapy area, and then you'll see over here, that's where the chiropractor space is. Right. And that's really common. That's what we see. Um, and multidisciplinary clinics are simply, you know, you break down the word multi means multiple professions sharing a space. And that's what you can have. And in that space, you can have therapists that want to work together, but you could also have therapists that are just happy to come in and do their own mm -hmm. thing. And that's very common. But to contrast that to an interdisciplinary model, interdisciplinary models are very different. And the differences may seem subtle, but it makes all the difference. It's, it's like the, the tensions in the detail here. And so number one, we know in an interdisciplinary model, we have to have everyone on that team um, to be team-minded, to see beyond themselves, yeah. to, be, to be able to see that they're part of uh, the solution with everyone else that's on the team. But the second thing that's really interesting is an interdisciplinary clinic or center, health center, like we have at Legacies, what we do is we mix up the space. We uh, will have a massage therapist room right next to a physio room, right next to a chiropractor room, right next to an acupuncture room, next to a naturopath room. You know, uh, we'll have um, the, the kinesiology space integrated within all of that. So everyone is mixed up all around the clinic. So if you come into one of our centers, you'll, you'll see rooms are just scattered all over and it seems really random that it's counterintuitive actually to how again we want to organize space as humans but when you do that and then one other thing that makes it special is we, we've adopted this 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 hub model so we have a center space that's a common space just like a hub of a wheel and all the spokes going out at the end of all those spokes are all the treatment rooms that are all mixed up but in the center is a hub and in the hub, we put common things that everybody needs, like hand wash stations and linens and, and modalities and things that we're, we're constantly using. So now what we do is we have this space where everyone's mixed up all around the space and everyone comes out to this common area, the hub, and we're physically rubbing shoulders with the other professions mm -hmm. all day long. So you have team-minded people in an environment where we're rubbing shoulders all day long and then that's where the magic happens. That's where collaboration happens. That's where, you know, as a massage therapist, I see the physiotherapist who's seeing my patient and I say, you know, hey, I'm seeing, you know, Mrs. Jones and I'm, uh, I noticed her, her right scaling muscles are, are tight and I think that's contributing to the numbness on the arm. And the physiotherapist says, yeah, I've noticed that too. So I'm doing some neural flossing techniques and now we're sharing ideas and we're collaborating. And 
we've what we've done at Legacies is we've taken essentially what was only what what I've only seen at a high level sports environment, and we've taken it down to um, your everyday practice. And so now, instead of our goal being we're wanting you know the athlete to perform at their highest level, now we're wanting that patient to get better as soon as possible. And that's the the nucleus that brings us all together in our clinics is that shared common goal of getting the patient better as soon as possible. And we do it working together and understanding each other's strengths and, and, and weaknesses and um, leveraging that so that we can achieve more together than we ever could. Mm -hmm. So I was, so I was thinking as you're talking about the collaborative space, and to me, what stands out is the example you gave is kind of random, but I, I, I imagine it's not, it's not I, like, it seems to me like the collaborative space may have random instances in it, but you're purposefully mm -hmm. coming together in a group so that you can manage a patient in a, in a different and distinctive way. So my question is, when you get a, cl a client and a patient in initially, do you have that model as the baseline or is the, is the patient aware of that mm -hmm. so that they're knowing that they're going to be interacting with a number of different professionals or does the patient come in to see the massage therapist and then it evolves from there? Yes. So there's actually, so that you can have different versions of an integrated uh -huh. model. The one version, which um, we don't do, I'll, I'll explain, but uh, one version might be is a, a, a single person contact where the patient comes in and they get an evaluation by um, a single person, maybe a, like a mm -hmm. sports physician. Um, I've seen this model. And then that one person determines what integrated services um, need to happen and they put together the team. So they might say, yeah, you need imaging, you need medications, and so a pharmacist, and we're going to get you uh, seeing a, a massage therapist and a physiotherapist, and they put together that team, and, and then they go forward like that. Um, and we did look at that model when, when we started our clinic years and years ago. What we did instead, and we found works very well, is we, we backed it up a step, and we realized that most people, I'm not talking therapists, yes. just general public, most people have a pretty good idea where to start with any ailment. And, and I credit uh -huh. the internet. You know, 20 years ago, when I started practice, the internet wasn't here. And, you know, someone would go to their doctor and say, yeah, my shoulder hurts. And the doctor said, oh, mm -hmm. go see a massage therapist. Um, now we go on Dr. Google here on the internet and we say my shoulder hurts and instantly massage therapy pops up. So I think today what we've done, at least in our clinic and our model, is we've recognized uh, patients today are a lot smarter than uh, we were 20 years ago. And we already have a good idea where to start. So we are, are you asked about how do we communicate our interdisciplinary model and, and what does a patient expect? Through our branding and marketing, people realize we have all these services available, uh, but they don't really understand how it all fits together until they actually come in it and, and get the, the legacies experience. So what will happen is a patient will book an appointment and we'll just use that example. They have a sore shoulder and they realize, I think I need to see a massage therapist and they'll book in uh, for a massage therapy visit. And in our model, what we've done is every single practitioner is a point uh, a starting point 
for the integrated model. And so a patient will come in, they'll see the massage therapist, and after assessment, the massage therapist will, you know, they'll, they'll communicate what they can do as a massage therapist, and then they will indicate how other professions right. in the clinic could also help them. And it's not everybody. Maybe it's just an interdisciplinary model could just be simply a massage therapist mm -hmm. and an acupuncturist. Maybe that's that's the course needed. Or maybe it includes more people, like our whiplash patients will often see up to even four practitioners, a massage therapist, a chiropractor, a physiotherapist, and our kinesiologist. So the interdisciplinary approach can actually be very simple or it can be it can involve a larger team. But at our clinic, the model we have is at any point the patient can enter and then the practitioners are the ones that start the conversation and right. builds the team. It requires the a lot of trust on the various practitioners parts of their teammates. Yes. And so we we make sure we hire very carefully. We uh, we go through a long process to um, mm. uh, have people enter our team. Anyone that's joined our team realizes it's it's usually about a month process of interviews and um, conversations uh, before they join our team. So we're hiring carefully. And then the next is, you know, as much as we can find a, a team-minded practitioner, a, a someone who we think is going to be a great fit on our team, we've realized over the years that we really have to invest in our team and invest in their development um, with their their team mindedness and so on our team uh, there's a lot of development that goes on we have we have a mentorship program that goes on for three months and it talks about all these kind of things that we're talking about and how a new practitioner would fit on our team and and how they participate on that team how they refer how they collaborate um, so we have mentorship modules around this we have uh, a lot of in-service training and a lot of collaboration events that bring people together so that we can share ideas. One thing that we do is a lot of fun is um, we do uh, what's called grand rounds. And a grand round is we do it as an interdisciplinary grand round. So we bring together a group of different professionals. So we'll bring like a physiotherapist, a massage therapist, chiropractor, naturopath, acupuncturist, and then they'll they'll discuss a case. So we'll, we'll bring up uh, uh, confidential, you know, privacy protected, uh, but a, a case study. And then we'll go around the, the, the table and we'll each contribute right. what we would do for this patient. And when we do a ground round like that, it's amazing the learning uh, opportunities that we have to understand what, how other professionals work and how we can collaborate and how we can, where our strengths and where our weaknesses are as a profession. But when we work together, yeah. how we can get that patient better faster. So we do a lot of different things like that. So it it's something that takes constant work on our team is in our, in our business is that we are constantly working with our team and fostering those those skills of collaboration and communication. It and seems like that would be something that would be really useful in school, that grand round kind of mindset where you have different disciplines yeah. coming together and waxing on how to how to solve a problem it, se it seems like oh, yeah. uh, the whole idea of diversity being really useful versus being you know keeping the walls up exactly i i love it you know and that grand rounds that i we used to do that with the uh the uh vancouver whitecaps um uh, we worked with their team for about seven years we helped bring them into the mls um and we used to do grand rounds weekly with them uh and it was it was amazing the the amazing opportunities that you could learn from other professions 
you know, my, my approach has always been that we're all the same. It doesn't matter if you're a physiotherapist, a chiropractor, occupational therapist, it doesn't matter. We're all the same in, in, the, in my viewpoint because we all mm-hmm. want to get the patient better. That's the nucleus in all the professions. And so I see us all being the same. The only thing that makes us different is we have different tools in our toolbox. And some of those tools are great for certain problems, but some of the tools as a massage therapist, you know, they don't work so well. So if I get to bring a team together, I get to now look into other people's toolboxes and go, wow, you know, that's an amazing tool for this, for this specific problem. And it's just so easy. It's, it's so easy when we come together with that mutual respect and we realize we're all the same. We just have different tools in our toolboxes. And if we can access, you know, each other's toolbox, we can, we can make an incredible difference with people. Mm-hmm. How much time do you guys in your legacies offices spend on promoting communication? Because it seems like that's really important. Yeah, it's, it's daily. <laughs> you know, I, I, another aspect of uh, kind of my career is um, I, it's almost like I have a split personality. I'm also a career firefighter. Oh. Uh, I have been for 17 years. And uh, we have a saying in the fire service that if, uh, you know, if there's an event that goes sideways, it's usually because of communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, communication is, is uh, paramount. Like if, if we're not constantly working our communication skills in our business, things are going to go sideways. So we actually have defined core values for our business and uh, communication is, is one of them. Actually, we have done a pretty cool thing. If people want to see about communication and how we value it at Legacies, you can uh, visit our website and we've actually uh, filmed a video where we interview our staff members and ask our staff members how communication is important to our business and, and our team. So it's, it's a pretty neat video where you get to see all these different professionals talking about why communication is so important on a team. Right. Do you guys do continuing education of any kind in the communication space or do you just have it dialed in in your offices and, and the people who've been there for a while help the new folk figure it out? Um, yeah, a bit of both. So we uh, we have continuing education that's legacies only, so like only for our staff. And uh, communication is is a topic when we, we have a uh, few courses that work on that skill. Mm-hmm. But then we also offer communica- uh, continuing education to um, different, different professions. And of course, being interdisciplinary, we offer courses to kind of basically all the therapies. Right. And we, we post those on our website. And um, some of the courses are about communication. I taught one last year uh, simply on communicating a treatment plan to patients and, and building a treatment plan by through through communication uh, skills, so uh, that was that was well received. We have a lot of massage therapists in the audience, and uh, it's it's amazing. You know, communication it's something that you can never really master. It's something you have to continually work on. You know, personal story. I I actually used to stutter, and uh, it was devastating mm-hmm. when when you have a stutter. But it's a skill too, communication, and it's something you can work on, and. I'm hoping I'm not stuttering here, but I, it's something I feel I've overcome. Uh-huh. And it, so it, it shows you that communication is something you can train in and develop as a skill. Yeah. My nephew had a stutter that was pretty severe at one point and he, mm-hmm. he figured it out in terms of not having 
as as much of a stutter very often. I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm a little more prone to it myself. So so, so that's awesome. The 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 communication piece I think is very short changed in terms of being a therapist called a soft skill perhaps versus a hard skill. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I believe mm-hmm. it's one of the most undervalued and most important pieces of both working with your patients and working with others in that helping manual therapy profession. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I would say we're, we're, um, first teachers, like the, the, the most valuable skill you have as a therapist is the communication that comes out your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't communicate, you can be the most skilled practitioner, uh, but you're going to have a really lousy yeah. practice if you can't, if you, if you have weak communication. Yeah, I totally agree. One thing that comes up for me as you talk about interdisciplinary offices, and we don't have to get too heavily into the nitty gritty of it, but there is the component mm-hmm. of privacy, ethics, scopes of practice, all those types of things. Mm. And they vary between the different colleges. How do you navigate those things? Um, Well, that's that's been fun for (laughs) myself as a clinic owner. I've basically become an expert in all these professions. And I I have to know all the nuances between the different governing colleges and uh, the different associations. And you're right, it is, there are variations uh, amongst all the professions but at the same time all the professions do allow professionals um, to come together in in this type of model they, they, none of the professions prevent you know for example like a chiropractor to work with a massage therapist or mm-hmm. a massage therapist to work with an acupuncture so what it means is that as a clinic owner you have to you have to understand the boundaries and you have to understand you know the the, the different bylaws of the different professions and and somewhere when in between there, there there's there's the the space that allows everyone to come together and so you have to be able to um, put together your your clinic in um or, or your health center in a in a legal way that respects all those differences with the different professions and different associations so it is challenging you're right to get into the nitty-gritty of it is is quite long but there are challenges and uh and it just takes a lot of research and a lot of again communication so i've i've spoken with all the different colleges and all the different associations of the different professional groups to to really understand the differences so that we put together a team and a business essentially that is ethical and and legal and yeah. it's it's manageable to have with a lot of work to get there obviously yeah, yeah. i think the big mistake though would be just to assume to assume mm-hmm. you know um that you know it's, it's, there's a for example like retaining of patient records there's differences amongst all the colleges with how how that's legally done in a shared space so sure. just to go forward and assume that it's done one way could be could have actually you know significant ramifications for your business so as as a clinic owner and any of your listeners that are clinic owners i just encourage you to really do your research uh, because even if you're a massage therapist but you're bringing together professions um, like physio and chiro it's your obligation as a as a clinic owner now to understand those differences of those colleges because it, you know, you might, you personally might not have any, you know, repercussions as a professional, as a massage therapist, 
but all your your team members that you bring together might have uh, repercussions because of how you've put together your model if you haven't done your research properly right. and that would be that'd be devastating for a clinic owner yeah you have to have a lot of thought and planning put Absolutely. into that you can't just gather your group of medical no. friends I see and that. throw a clinic I see up that on social media a lot where <laughs> it's like oh we're a massage therapy clinic we like to you know does anyone know a good physio to join our team and i immediately think oh, i hope you've done your your research and um, you know got your your legal documents in place because right. it's not just as easy as oh let's just work together you're, you bring together two professions that have two different governing bodies and they have you know bylaws saying how that happens so uh, you, you have to really put some thought into it and do your research where would a person start just as a starting point say they're doing that and they're curious about yeah um, so even um, so if you're a massage therapist, I'd start with your own college and, and bylaws and, you know, take advantage of your association. There's uh, a lawyer uh, for the MTA that's there to help its members. So mm -hmm. get some legal consultation. And then, so let's say you're adding physiotherapy, you can access their bylaws and read their bylaws and understand what it means for that profession to work with a different profession. Right. And what does that mean, you know? in terms of advertising or mm -hmm. your clinic name or, or maybe um, control of records. There's so many different little nuances that uh, are important to understand, but the information's out there. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes there's been professions we've added and I wasn't able to access their bylaws, but you know what, you're hiring someone. So you ask them, can you share your bylaws so I can look at this with you? Right. So there's always a way to get that information and, and, uh, go forward in a very thoughtful and purposeful way yeah it's as simple as looking starting with looking at bylaws and mm -hmm. then asking the right questions of the right people such as lawyers or that's right yeah and then yeah. lots of other and things it, on, top, on top of that I'm sure. absolutely and you know yeah and you, you you know some people like they they shy away from using a lawyer or they shy away from sometimes like it's an accountant or whatever mm -hmm. but you know professionals that that work in their space and and their their uh, expertise they've always always helped us and the, you know i've i've paid them 10 times their their wage uh for the services that they provided right so yeah don't shy away from um asking you know people who are the experts yeah i mean when it comes down to it that's kind of what the whole interdisciplinary idea is really yeah <laughs> That's right. Yeah. If a patient is choosing clinics, why would they choose, let's say legacies, at, because that's where, where you yeah. have all of your knowledge as, as an, yeah. and let's use legacies as an interdisciplinary model versus a multidisciplinary model. Why, why would the patient choose you guys? Well, this is, this is actually something I, I, I read and I, I can't, uh, I don't have the reference here, but maybe I could supply it to you afterwards. Mm -hmm. But um, Pacific Blue Cross did a survey of its, um, I think it was low back patients. And so they, they surveyed their database. This is, I think this is probably going back about 10 years. And they found that the average client of theirs submitted a claim that included three different professions. So what that tells me is that and again, kind of gets back to our earlier conversation. I think patients today are smarter than they were 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I think when a patient looks online and they say, I got a shoulder injury and they, they see massage therapy 
can help, they also see that chiropractic can help and they also see that physiotherapy can help. So I think that that survey, that study that Blue Cross did is actually pretty significant because it actually shows that on average, people are seeking three different professions to get better. So what essentially what I see is patients already have an interdisciplinary kind of thought process to recovery. Right. Um, that's much different today than it was 20 years ago. So that's a, that's a trend in patient behavior. And so at Legacies, there's a huge convenience to our model as well that we haven't really talked about. But when a patient comes in, let's say they come in and they see that massage therapist and the massage therapist says, I can help you and we can get you better even faster if we include a couple other professions on our team, like a physiotherapist and a chiropractor, it already resonates with that patient. They already intrinsically, to, to a great degree, understand that. And so the buy-in is very easy and the convenience of our location or, or sorry, our services in our location, it just makes it work like magic. So the fact that a patient can receive all three professions in one space um, and they know that we're going to be sharing ideas and working together as a team, just like I was sharing happens on those, those high level sports teams patients love it and that's why our business has grown so fast and uh it's it's definitely it it, it takes very little convincing uh, yeah to further that question a little bit it's uh, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit of a tough question i guess you'd say it sounds expensive <laughs> to me the interdisciplinary model and this is just coming from pain out of pocket mindset so i'm always curious oh, yeah. about how does a business like this service the less fortunate, the people who have less means? Is there something mm-hmm. in play in your guys's model? Yeah. So how do you do that? Yeah. So actually, Legacies—we're the only clinic in Canada that has a lowest cost guarantee, and uh, so that's that's pretty special. And so what we've done is we've you know really tried to understand the client and. Uh, the, we actually have this video uh, and it's our most viewed video on our website um, that says how how did legacies keep your costs low and um, so it's the first thing on patients minds uh, beyond getting better is how much is it going to cost and so we've recognized that very early and we went so far as creating a lowest cost guarantee and what that guarantee says is that we're going to pursue every avenue possible to lower your cost. And we have dozens and dozens of ways to do that. And so direct billing is probably one of our greatest ways we can do it. So our, you know, again, we have four locations, but we have also a central billing department. And that department is staffed with seven people five days a week. And they're going nonstop processing and accessing third-party insurers and different ways that we can lower costs, including simple things like offering student discounts and senior discounts. But we access, basically if there's there's a third-party insurer, doesn't matter if it's MSP, ICBC, RCMP, DBA, whatever, extended medical, the dozens of different extended medicals, different programs, we've included in our business model to lower the patient's cost. And that's that's important. So it's when I hear expensive, it sounds expensive. I, I kind of agreed with you because I'm thinking from um, 
a clinic owner perspective, it's expensive to launch <laughs> these clinics. Sure. Uh, they're, they're not really clinics, they're health centers. They're, you know, they're 13 room uh, health centers with two very large gym spaces, uh, conference rooms, staff rooms, you know, billing areas, mm-hmm. reception areas. Like these are huge facilities. They shouldn't, I shouldn't refer to them as clinics. Yeah. They're health, really health centers. Uh, they're expensive and we choose kind of that prime retail space. But from a patient perspective, our goal is to lower their costs. Mm. So we we have a lot of ways that we do that and we bring it right forward so that people know that when they're choosing legacies and this they get this interdisciplinary experience, that it doesn't actually cost more. In fact, it should cost less than the average facility out there. Right. So you've accounted for what could be perceived uh, extra costs. Y- yeah. like. We and we've grown to a to a level um, that we can give back a lot too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, at our clinic, there's there's no extra charge for, you know, kinesio taping or theraband. Right. Or, like we give away tons of stuff. Um, Sweet. And, but that that came with growth and and having larger margins that allow us to do that. I I know like when we started that wasn't the case when we were we were a tiny little clinic. Those are things that we couldn't afford. But. Well, I think on two ends, it's nice for the patient to come in and not have to deal with all of the insurance rigmarole mm-hmm. because you guys have that built in. But I imagine for the people who work with you guys, there is a benefit there too because they don't get oh, yeah. tied up so much in those those kinds of spaces and they can focus where their oh, yeah. skill sets are. So that's definitely something. Like when I, you know, I talked earlier about when I started in the profession, all the things I you know, I saw that were challenges in, in practice, um, you know, just from the interdisciplinary model, but also other things like having to market, having to, you know, worry about billings. I used to process all my electronic billings myself for my uh-huh. practice and do my own laundry and all those things that took away from focusing on the patients. So when we built the Legacies Health Centers, we always remembered that. We always remember like, what would that dream clinic feel like if I was a practitioner Mm -hmm. and really what it was is allowing practitioners to just come in and focus on the patient everything's provided the billing the marketing all that stuff so that they just focus on the patient and it it works really well um, for the business obviously because now you have practitioners that are very passionate very excited to come in and do their best work and so you get known for um, a really high level of care Mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah, our business, we've, we've grown to the level where we can support practitioners in that way where, you, you know, a common uh, phrase from one of our practitioners is, I love it because I can just come in and not worry about anything else except the patient. Yeah. And that's what we want. Yeah. It sounds really awesome, like really thoughtful in all sorts of directions. And I have this better understanding of how an interdisciplinary space could function. Even talking to you, it seems like the lone practitioner could gather together some ways of getting mm-hmm. more successfully interdisciplinary versus, yeah, yes. and and maybe that's a, a future space that can be talked about in terms of, Absolutely. because there, there are a lot of practitioners, I was one of them, that felt quite alone and it was difficult yeah. to find people that you could trust to send your client to and even more so rurally yeah i agree i've been there i was there Uh, and you bring a really good point in that you don't need to be 
in an interdisciplinary clinic to be an interdisciplinary practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, and that's what that's what it was before Legacies for me is I had this network of practitioners that were like-minded and we would network and work together uh, with common patients to get them better faster. So really being an interdisciplinary practitioner before we actually built our health centers. The only thing with the health center is it just makes it that much more convenient because you're right there, but you can still be interdisciplinary minded. And I agree. I think like, obviously I'm biased because that's what I'm so passionate about, but I, I think that makes a better practitioner, a practitioner that can see beyond themselves. It's, it's not for everybody. I totally understand that. Um, I understand some people that just want to work within their four walls and be the sole provider and, and that's fine. But personally, I would see that as a big challenge because I know personally that I can't solve all the problems. Um, and I need a team around me to get in, an incredible difference with, with my patients. Yeah. It's a cool model, Matt. I, I really appreciate you sharing all what you have. If people have more questions or they want to pursue getting a little bit of more information mm-hmm. about legacies, is there, uh, obviously there's a website. Yeah, we have a website and, um, you know, whether you're interested in, in a career at legacies or not, I think some resources that would be really good for your listeners is if, um, you did visit our website and go to uh, the about page. Mm-hmm. If you go to the about page, uh, we have some videos that I think are really special about the interdisciplinary model. We have our core values and from the perspective of, of your listeners who are practitioners and you're wondering, you know, what really makes up the mindset of a interdisciplinary practitioner. Mm-hmm. Watch those videos because it's it's filming our practitioners and they're sharing uh, their core, the core values that they feel is most important to them uh, being on this team. And then the other set of videos uh, we call our rave reviews, and it's a series of videos interviewing patients. And again, for your, your listeners and to your question of, you know, what attracts patients to this model, these videos are all about patients expressing why they like coming to our facility that's and, and, and that interdisciplinary touch that we have for our patients. So you'll hear patients express why they like coming and seeing multiple practitioners. And I think, like, I know you asked me that question, but I think even better to hear it from the nice. patient's uh, own mouth. Yeah. yeah, We'll put that link in the show notes too, so that it's easy for people awesome. to, to go to just That's one great. click away. All right, Matt, thank you so much. Uh, really, really thoughtful, useful bunch of information. And maybe we'll jump down that awesome. rabbit hole of, of discussing interdisciplinary stuff from the rural practitioner perspective in the future yes. or, or some of some variations of, cause I'm sure you have some thoughts and, and oh, yeah. uh, ideas on those things. That's great. Thanks, Damien. It was a, it was a pleasure being on today. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And for all of you listening out there until next time, this is massage therapy now in conjunction with the registered massage therapy association of BC. Have a very fine day.